0: Our scripture reading for today is taken from St. Paul's letter to Titus, the second chapter, beginning with verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. may be seated. There are certain chapters in the Bible that sometimes we may wonder, why did God decide to include that? One of those chapters is Nehemiah chapter 3. If you ever get a chance, or maybe today sometime, take it out and look at it. The whole chapter is simply listing off different men and their names of them, and sometimes their sons, who were rebuilding certain parts of the wall in Jerusalem. The whole chapter. He did this portion, and -and so-and-so did this portion. And then it describes sometimes that these portions of the wall, as they were being rebuilt, were getting consecrated. It's a very interesting chapter. This takes place about 450 years before the time of Christ. The Jewish people had been at at one point taken off into captivity and made into slaves and had now returned back to their homeland, back to the city of Jerusalem, the city of God on Mount Zion, and they were now rebuilding that city. What's interesting is during the rebuilding process, during the construction and putting the bricks back up on the walls and everything, uh, a number of nations, not just one or two, but a number of nearby nations begin attacking them. And can you imagine, you're trying to rebuild the wall to your city while arrows are flying at you. It's really interesting. So Nehemiah chapter 4 talks about the challenge of this. And he describes how while they're building, uh, one man would be putting bricks on the wall and another man would be holding a shield trying to protect him from spears and arrows that would be flying at him while he's doing this rebuilding process. And he even goes on to say that many of the workers held a sword in one hand and then they were working with the other Think of that, that you're trying to fight off enemies with a sword while you're trying to rebuild the wall. What a, what a picture of a, what a challenging picture. A sword in one hand and maybe a hammer in the other. Martin Luther says, that's really a picture of the believer in this life. That's really what it's like trying to be a Christian in this life. With one hand, we are fighting off the enemies of our faith, And with the other hand, we're trying to build the kingdom of God and to build it up and to, to advance it. As soon as you and I, by God's grace, have been brought into his kingdom of grace and made a child of light, as we just sang about, as soon as that takes place in our hearts, the world immediately begins casting its arrows and spears at us, trying to attack us for that very faith itself. And with the sword of the word of God, we try to defend ourselves and we we try to fend off these enemies that are coming against us. It became very, um, very real to me with a, a young man that I had been dealing with years ago. Uh, his uh, co-worker was a member of our church and by her very gentle evangelism had gotten him during work breaks and stuff to... To uh, look at the Bible and what God taught about how to get to heaven through faith in Christ. He had now come to our church and gone through adult instruction class and had just gotten confirmed. And I remember I used to see him at Barnes & Noble uh, with a group of friends uh, before this. And now he was a Christian and I would still see him there with these same group of friends. But he told me they were very radical and very anti-Christianity and tried to lure him and tempt him back into the sinful things of the world. And I remember him coming to talk to me about, should I try to get different friends? (laughs) Because uh, he could just feel the pressure now. Uh, Because God had given him the gift of faith in Christ, he suddenly was the, the target of all of their attacks. Those are the arrows that fly against the Christian. Listen to what Paul says, that having this faith and learning about Christ... He says, is teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Now, all the epistles in the New Testament openly acknowledge the challenge of this for Christians. They don't, don't have us live under the delusion that once you're a Christian, you don't have to kind of deal with temptation. No, it, it ramps up. It makes it more difficult. You are more the target of the devil's attacks and the ungodly world's attacks. These things that war against our spirits and try to pull us away from Christ. And there are times when the arrows hit us. There are times when the attacks of the enemies of our faith actually strike us and may wound us. There might be times when we fall down in this battle. And God the Holy Spirit made sure to record many examples how even in the Old Testament and in the time of Christ, many of the great saints of God likewise fell. Noah, drunk in his tent, Lot, incestuously with his daughters, Abraham, lying, Moses, disobeying God's orders. David, committing adultery and murder. Peter, denying that he had anything to do with Christ. The Holy Spirit does not want you or me to live under the false delusion that somehow because we are Christians, we're going to be immune to the arrows of the world. They're going to fly faster and harder than ever. They're going to be more challenging because of our faith in Christ. And we are weak people. I know I am. And there will be times when we fall. There will be times when, when those arrows nick us and wound us. St. Paul says, however, that we have a Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify us for himself as his own special people. I want you to notice that. He says that Christ has redeemed you from Every lawless deed. Even the one that stings the deepest in your conscience. Even the one that makes you really afraid of God's anger against you. He says, Christ has redeemed you from every lawless deed. There's nothing that you have done in your life that is so far away from God and so bad that it would put you out of the kingdom of Christ. And he says, that you also, he has purified us. That's a beautiful statement. Notice, we don't purify ourselves. He says, and, and we don't feel pure. I know I don't. But he says that he has purified us. That's a beautiful passage. So, he has redeemed us from every lawless deed, and he has purified us before God. The reason that, that we're under the attack of the, of the world and against our faith is because Christ has purified us and cleansed us and set you apart as part of his holy church. And he not only has given you the sword to fight with in one hand, but he also has a hammer that he wants to put in the other hand for you in this life and world to advance his kingdom and to rebuild the city of God, to build the protection for his people. Notice in our text, it talks about the universal nature of God's grace. This grace of God, he says, brings salvation, has appeared to all men. Reminds us of our Lord's great commission to us, the members of his church. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and so on. And you as believers in Christ, as children of light, you bear in yourself the very gospel itself that wants to reach other people in a variety of different ways. Whether you go to become a pastor or a teacher or just a a layman in the congregation that is, is in teaching your children in your home someday... The the believers in Christ are always wanting to build the walls. They're always wanting to advance the kingdom of God. And Titus, the the recipient of this letter, is a great example of that. He was a Gentile who had been brought to faith under Paul. And Paul now takes him along on many of his missionary journeys. And he specifically sent him to the island of Crete because there was a, a dispute and problem going on in the congregation. And he sent him out there, in a sense, to rebuild the wall, to to do the work and the labor of helping the kingdom of god you know watching those men try to rebuild that wall in nehemiah chapter 4 I always think, what would motivate you to keep trying to work while you've got a sword in one hand and arrows are flying at you and you're still with a trawl or a hammer trying to rebuild a wall in front of you? Well, they knew the value of what the wall would be. They knew the the value of the security it would provide for them and for their families. So what, what motivates you in your struggle as a child of God here in this world? This is what motivates us. Listen to what Paul says. We are looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us. By faith, we know the value of being protected by God's grace. By his grace, we know the value of eternal security and protection that we will have in his kingdom through the work of our Redeemer. May God bless you with a sword in one hand and a hammer in the other. Amen.